My name is Will Fitzgerald and this is the Goway Film Podcast. Thanks to our listeners for your feedback on our Halloween horror block of episodes. They were really fun to record. How was your Halloween? I myself had a fun, film-centric Halloween season. As well as catching up on all the films we talked about here, I finally got to see the new Halloween movie made by David Gordon Green. Michael Myers is the only horror movie monster who actually scares me, so I tend to enjoy those movies. And I enjoyed this one for the piece of fan service that it was. I also just got back from the Irish Screen America Festival in Los Angeles, which was a wonderful event, and I took the time to duck out and go to see the new Suspiria, the uh, Luke Guadagno remake of the Dario Argento original, and it was just mesmerizing. Like, literally, it cast a spell on me, and I enjoyed it. It was fantastic. I also took the time in LA to attend a lecture by the Miskatonic Institute of Horror Studies on the History and Psychology of Aquatic Horror by Rebecca McKendry. The lecture covered everything from the success of Jaws to mermaids, gators, and Lovecraft's old ones, as well as the symbolism of submergence across film and other visual arts. If you haven't heard of them, the Miskatonic Institute of Horror Studies is an international non-profit that hosts masterclasses with established horror writers and directors and scholars in horror history and culture in a really fun but critically engaging way. They currently have branches in New York and LA and London, and I think we need to work on opening an Irish branch here in Galway, obviously. What do you guys think? Tweet us with your thoughts. Uh, A heads up before we get into this week's episode, the Junior Film Fla is happening next week in Galway. The Junior Film Fla is the young audience's arm of the Galway Film Fla, and will be screening a whole program of new independent films and classic films with a youth focus but inclusive of mature audiences too, so anyone can come along. There'll be new Irish films, as well as European, Middle Eastern, and South American films, and classic American movies. So check out goifilmfla.com for more info on the Junior Film Fla. Getting back to today's show, we're bringing you another panel discussion recorded live at this year's Goway Film Fla, where we discuss the growing film and TV industry in Ireland, and some of the obstacles that we encounter with the increasing amount of production that takes place here. These issues derive not necessarily from our own national cinema output, but increasingly, large-scale US TV shows are basing their production here in Ireland, and some people in the sector are concerned about resources, about working practices under Irish law, and also about the continued viability of the Irish skill base without adequate supports for training. I'll allow our panellists to introduce themselves, but they include producers, studio managers, and broadcasters, and they'll discuss how to meet the needs of increasing film and TV production in Ireland. The panel is chaired by television presenter and news editor Paudio Leonard. Because this was recorded live, the sound quality may vary a little. Our show is produced by Grease On Demand Skillnet Training. If you enjoy the show, leave us a review. You can also subscribe so as not to miss future episodes. I'll be back next week with another new episode. Until then, here's Paudio Leonard. Field day to all of you, fourteenth of July, and uh, that has a huge bearing on what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, the unaltered of Egan session shot this particular session shaping film production in Ireland the next ten years. 
my name is Paul Dionard. I have absolutely no film experience whatsoever. And uh, if it were down to me, we'd have started four minutes ago because I come from live TV. <laughs> so we're running really late, and there was a, an ad series of ads just on before us, and uh, we're just coming to the stage where we can get kick started. Um, the format of how we're going to do this first of all, I'm going to introduce our panel, and then and they're going to give us a minute each of where they're coming from regarding three topics that we're going to discuss in this very protracted time of about 50 minutes. And the topics are training, uh, dignity in the workplace, and regionalization. So, in no particular order, sta starting from my left, Bakhtari <laughs> Kelleher, Fastnet Films, prolific filmmaker, Tom Dowling from Troy Studios, uh, Siobhan Yigaira from Rustaroon, uh, Angela, Garrity from. I'm oh, sorry, Elaine. Jesus, there, you go. there you go. Live TV. I had my first time, and it went to air. So there you go, Elaine Garrity. I beg your pardon. That's okay. From uh, Green uh, Producers, Producers Ireland. Ireland, SPI. Uh, indeed, I'm making many gaps here, Elaine, and you're just nearest nearest to me as I well. Am. So you have plenty of opportunity for recourse. Shuni Riley from Philip Tracy's. Dream because she has so many hats. Hardcore <laughs> <laughs> Studios, Troy Studios, August Kahirloch Er Udros Tiji Kahar. And we have Tom Dowling from. No, no. No, no I'm here. Oh, Tom Dowling, sorry. Garrett Lee. Jesus, there you go. All right. I'm screeching here. Well, we start this again. I wish I were working in film here. <laughs> we could do a retake. Okay, so these are the three topics that we're going to discuss training. Dignity in the workplace and regionalisation. Makdara, can I ask you to give us a minute? Where are you with all of those three, or one of three, or two from three, or neither of the three? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's our regionalisation, I think. No, so no. just give us a minute on yourself. On myself. A minute on yourself, and we'll kick the ball in the regionalisation then. So, who are you, what are you, and what are you doing here? Uh, <laughs> uh, I run a company called Fastnet Films, and uh, we also have a, a distribution company called Wildcard Distribution. Um, set up the company. I can't. Uh, well, I formed the company with a director called Lance Daly about 14 years ago, I think it was. And um, you know, we do predominantly feature films. We also do TV production, some documentaries. We had the opening film here this year at the Belly of the Whale, and the closing films of film called Black Forty Seven. Set during the famine, and we are also going to be releasing a Katie Taylor documentary which plays this afternoon. If anyone wants to check it out, okay, great, thank you, Makdara. Tom, good morning, everyone. Thanks for coming along. Uh, my name is Tom Dowling. Um, I'm the operations manager in Troy Studios. Uh, I started working in the film sector back in 1990 as a construction coordinator. Um, Worked there up until 2010 as a freelancer, as a construction coordinator. Did 38 productions in that time. Moved sideways or overways to uh, the theatre sector and worked in the theatre sector between 2010 and 2017. Um, so I started working with Troy Studios um, early last year. Uh, we're a small team at Troy Studios. So besides operations manager, we wear many hats. And uh, the first one we had was to create a construction crew agreement for the sector coming for the region, coming into Troy Studios as a new studio without any previous filmmaking 
in the region, it was important to uh, create conditions and terms that people could work in the construction sector. So we've done that with the, con with the, uh, the union sector. And on top of that then, uh, Michelle Brazelow, the studio ma manager, and I, we've been working with the higher education authorities in, um, in Limerick and Limerick Employer Educational Training Board and Screen Training Ireland to put a number of training courses in place so that we can upskill people coming into the industry in Limerick and we can create a core base for filmmaking in the region for Troy Studios. Very good. Siobhan? Uh, my name is Siobhan Yagara and I am a Galway-based producer. Um, I'm currently exec producer on Russell Room, which is TG Carr's long-running drama series, and also have my own production company, Danu Media. Um, and our, our, I suppose, by virtue of the geography of it, our regionally-based producer here in Galway. Um, and also have a huge interest with my Russell Room hat in training. Uh, I'm a promoter of a Grace on the Mound Skillsnet, which is a Skillsnet specifically for media training. Um, and out of necessity, I suppose, with the in a Rustaroon context, training is a huge part of our operation. We have quite a high rate of attrition. Crew move on regularly, and we have a, a very um, we're very committed to training new entry level positions all the time, every year in a Rustaroon context. Elaine Garrity. Morning, Elaine, sometimes known as Angela. Yes. Um, good morning, everybody. Um, I am CEO of Screen Producers Ireland. Um, so we're a representative organisation, and the clues in the name representing producers, but not just a film, of TV, documentary, animation, and so on. Um, I started in the job about a year and a half ago, but um, my connection with film goes back a long time because my dad was in the business before there was in a was a business. I swore I'd never get into it, so I went into something really safe called independent radio and worked for Dennis O'Brien for 20 years, so that, that worked out. And then I, I joined Spy last year. But I suppose I, I'm saying that for a point, really, because in ways growing up before there was like a fully-fledged industry, there were, you know, certain things I'd be familiar with, and some of those are still here today, you know, and some that's good and bad. Um, and, you know, in terms of the learning curve for me, it wasn't so great in many ways, what I would say is the topics today are really pertinent because the, the kind of, you know, what we're engaged in is, is making the best possible environment for productions to get made. So that is all about training. That is all about dignity. That is all about good agreements. It's about, and regionalisation, dare we say it, as well, if it's, if it's even really a word. Um, so it's, it's, it's relevant today that these are, are the topics. And also I'd say that I think today is going to be a lot about collaboration because faces I never knew a year and a half ago are recognised and seem to be in the same rooms all today. So we've, we've a vested interest together to uh, try and make it the best possible environment that we can. Very good. Regionalisation actually doesn't exist as a word except one that we use and we throw it about quite a bit. Regionalism, I think, is the word that is uh, uh, the official mm -hmm. word that is there. Shuni Rylick. Hi, um, I'm Shuni Rahali and I am CEO at uh, Argmar Studios, which is uh, Ireland's oldest film studios, based in Bray in County Wicklow. Um, and I am CEO at Troy Studios as well, which is the newest kid on the block, based down in Limerick. Um, I think that uh, what we've done in Limerick and what we're trying to do in Limerick um, is is really important in terms of the industry. There's very, um, uh, what's the word, lofty objectives in the Oldsburg report in terms of the level of employment that we want to have here, which is basically a crew base. And that level of employment 
need an infrastructure. You need to have particularly a studio infrastructure which will um, bring in the large-scale projects that employ the large numbers of people. And I suppose that's, that's where I'm coming from, and that's what we're trying to achieve both in Ardmore and in Troy. Uh, Garrett Lee, formerly known as Tom Dowling, occasionally. Uh, no, Garrett Lee, tell yes. us, uh, what do you do? So, uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, so I'm the manager of Screen Training Ireland, and uh, Screen Training Ireland provides um, a variety of training and skills development solutions for the screen industries in Ireland. And I, you know, underline screen because, you know, this panel is, focuses on film, but uh, we support training across, um, you know, animation, TV, um, games, AOR and VOR as well. Uh, I'm only in the job a month, so uh, I'm possibly still on probationary period, and uh, so I need to, I'm not even sure I should be doing this, but anyway. Um, but um, I do have a track record uh, before Screen Training Ireland. I worked in Ballyferma College for 16 years. Uh, I ran the animation program there for five years and I more recently uh, set up and ran uh, a 3D visual effects program at the college. I've also worked uh, with an initiative called Animation Skillnet, providing industry-focused training solutions specifically for the animation and related sectors. So my track record is working with various stakeholders, industry and education providers, um, yeah, to respond to the needs of industry. So I think in terms of the topics, I can certainly add value to the training topic but uh, I'm happy to, to talk about the other topics as well. Gareth, thank you, and thank you, panel. Uh, we have a stellar panel. We have very little time. So we have a half an hour that we're going to try and tease out the three topics that, uh, that are on the agenda. And after that, I'm very happy to um, open to the floor uh, for specific or non-specific questions relating to the three topics. Um, only if you tell us who you are and uh, then we'll take it from there. And we'll try and wrap up, because I know everybody wants to get to screenings at 12 o'clock, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so time is of the essence. So I'm going to go with the word that doesn't exist, regionalization. Is there such a thing? We, I see Ireland as a very parochial little country. We have a tendency to look in our own backyards, and we have a lot, a lot of nimbyism. But are we big enough to be even looking from a film and TV perspective at regionalisation, or should we just be looking at Ireland as a country? Shuni Raleigh. Um, I suppose, I, from my perspective, I see Ireland as the region rather than regions being within Ireland, and we're a region within Europe more than a region. I think we're too small to be regionalising and saying, and sort of almost pitching ourselves against each other in a way. Um, that's not to say that that's what happens all the time, but there's a tendency for that because really the reason that we talk about these words, it's usually, and I know we're not talking about funding today, but usually boils down to that at the end of the day, that you, you, know, you go with this regionalisation because you think, oh, well, maybe, maybe we get an edge here in terms of support. Costs. Yeah, in terms of support. But I think that um, particularly the report that I just referred to, the Oldsburg report, sort of is only in that it's the latest report to come on and go onto another shelf to say, okay, here, here is where the industry is at now. But there is an ambition to scale 
and I, I'm certainly feel I'm part of that ambition to scale and the people that work with me in the studios. But uh, you know, we have to we have to scale it, and in order to do that, we need to have a more cohesive policy in relation to the future of the industry and for jobs within the industry. Is that realistic? In that, yes. Well, okay, in that we have a tendency in this country to be, as I say, quite parochial. We have quite a few elected representatives who are on a particular platform, be it rural versus urban. We have BMW, the border, midlands and west regions that continually um, say, well, we're not supported as much as the eastern side of the country. The Shannon tends to be a an economic or socio-economic divide. So is it realistic that we can try and look at a particular particular industry to be different to every other industry? Well, I, I, I think it doesn't matter what we think. It's how it is that we have to look at because regardless of what we think and how we want to categorise things, the facts are, you know, that there's a, there's a fairly strong industry here in Galway thanks to Roger Corman, T.G. Cahar, Teddy Gale, so on, and many other companies. And, you know, that's been going on since the mid-90s. And uh, there's, a, there's a basis of, of, a, of an industry now starting down in Limerick. So we're going off and doing that, regardless of what the definitions are or what anybody thinks. And I think that's the one message I would like to see uh, going out is just do it, you know. It's like get on and do it and stop talking about it. And uh, and I think that when we do that, it, we can create that critical mass. Um, but we need the infrastructure. But I would say that because I'm in studios. But we need the infrastructure in order to achieve the ambition of that. Gareth. Yeah, so I think, well, first I want to say Screen Training Ireland has a, a national remit and we've all, uh, the organisation has always de uh, delivered training programmes, you know, around the country. We'll continue to do that and will continue to do that. Um, I think, uh, you know, part of my, my new role will be to develop a strategy around skills. Of, and by the way, I'd rather use the term skills development than training and we can talk about that in a minute. Okay. But uh, part of my role will be to develop a strategy around skills development that will have a kind of a national focus but I think part of that strategy will be to develop the regions and to work with others regionally to develop you know, skills in those regions. So developing makes, the regions on a national basis. Yeah so so that's the thing I think we you know whatever policies are in place or whatever um, skills development issues are in place in the regions need to feed back to an overall national policy for the industry as a whole um, and I think you know developing the regions is important as long as it's not us against them or whatever as she was talking about and that there's not you know because the resources for training and skills development are, are limited so there's not replication or you know that we're we're looking at it with a national view i suppose but then developing the regions elaine it's it's dublin centric to a certain degree or is it or am i just well in some ways you could say it's wicklow centric if you okay. look at studio <laughs> bases for example um with Ashford and Ardmore, if you're just talking about infrastructure, but uh, to the lofty ambition in the, let's call it the Allsburg report, you know, an ambition of doubling the amount of people employed in our industry, you know, doubling. So where are they going to work? Where are the opportunities? The infrastructure at a very basic thing has to be there. But I think it's completely tied to skills. Um, a couple of things. I think it's completely tied to skills that skills are available in the areas where work can be created and Troy have done a stellar job. It's, it's a fabulous model if you look at it in its own right, and there is a model there. The other thing is, we're a tiny country. We all speak to each other. We've all met each other at this event. We meet each other at every single event. We're not big enough to have silos and stand off, but I think the mm. thing that's missing is the, I mean, we talk all the time, 
all of our agencies, Screen Ireland, Screen Training Ireland, Screen Producers Ireland, there's lots of screens in there. We have these conversations all the time. I'm often envious when I look to the UK and if somebody at a political level that cares about creative industry and drives it, and it's important at a policy level at the highest table. We fall between a number of stools politically, you know, lots of them, many departments. And, you know, but that being said, and I would concur with you, we can sit here and moan and groan and say, oh, if only somebody would run with it. Meantime, we're the people that can make a difference and we need, we need to keep working on it. But I think skills is at the centre of, of this regional conversation. Mark, Derek Kelleher, running with it from a nuts and bolts perspective, because there you are, you have your money in place, you have your funding, you have your studio space, you have it all booked, you're ready to go. Nuts and bolts, how does it work from a regionalisation, from your perspective? Well, we did. We were the first production to go to the new studios in, in Troy with a, a big show for NBC and Netflix called Night Flyers. And, you know, there is a bit of trepidation probably when you're, A, the first. In fact, I think I remember saying I didn't want to be the first person into the studio and so it wasn't a big job. So we failed on both those games. But actually what had happened, which was something that I didn't really know about, was all the work that Shane and Tom had been doing, particularly with Tom's background in construction. And, like... There's a skill set basically in construction when you go any anywhere that it, you know they might it might not be necessarily film f film construction but you can you can bring in that skill set and I, I think we ended up with about sixty five percent local construction crew versus thirty five percent from say that came down from Dublin um, and it was it, it it was brilliant actually I mean the guys were a big part of of driving that and similarly you know in our costume department huge costume department and there's a um, is the college there, the, the fashion college? We'd low, we had, I think, we had eight uh, trainees from 14. So, and we, and we had a lot of local tra trainees. So, you know, on a job that size, of course, you're going to have to bring people in, but the guys are really active in, in sourcing people in the region, outside the region. So, you know. Shivani hired, that was really always the case, though. You always had to bring expertise in. I mean, you come, we were discussing this beforehand, and Cormans, you have an idea of how all that worked? Well, absolutely. I mean, my first job in the industry was working with the Roger Corman studio, and, and that was very much based on the HODs being brought in and people train under them. And it was the best, you know, on-the-job training, the best training in the world in this industry, in my view. Try and um, steer towards the regionalisation for the stuff. For the, for the, well, we, yeah, we I will guess, hit the, um, the I training. I guess it's important to me. and we said I do we, segue, I know that. Yeah, but we said we weren't going to talk about finance, but I think a factor in producing outside of the greater Dublin-Wicklow area is yeah. a cost factor. There is a cost in bringing people from Dublin to the region. <laughs> And that could be perceived as a disadvantage to working outside of the Dublin area. So I think that is something, if, if there's a genuine um, desire to develop regional, not Galway, not Limerick, outside of Dublin, the rest of the country, you know, it's government policy to develop regions. It's an industry that lends itself to that. And I think an important thing for me and a big part of my kind of thinking on this is to give opportunity to the local people within those regions, wherever those regions are. I think projects that come in, um, you know, I admire what happened in Troy. I think it's amazing to see all those local jobs and it's not going to happen overnight. But I think over time, the ambition has to be that you bring less people in and that local crews are built up and the skills base is developed. And, and certainly with my Galway girl hat on, you know, that's something that I have a huge interest in seeing Galway. I think it's great to uh, get international or bigger projects into any area of the country, but it's far more useful when actually local crew, you know, and they do exist, have an opportunity. I know loads of Galway-based crew who work in Dublin most of the time because that's where the work is, and I think that's an imbalance that should be addressed and looked at. Uh, Tom, because from from that perspective and that imbalance, and maybe sustainability and, and security of tenure, 
in this industry it tends to be somewhat transient. Yeah, I suppose up to, up to the arrival of Troy Studios, it, it was Dublin centred. So setting up Troy Studios in Limerick uh, was a big big game changer, basically. And um, going to a different level, they brought in you know the, the emphasis on us to find people within the region. But just to go back to Siobhan's point about Roger Corman uh, Studios, I mean. In the early 90s, the industry grew quite a bit in Dublin. There was an expansion. There was a lot more bigger projects coming in. And a lot of the, cr the crew that trained in Roger Corman Studios ended up being fed back into the system in Dublin. And the reason they had to feed back into the system in Dublin because Roger Corman Studio wasn't of scale. Mm. So like in Troy Studios, we've, we've got a studio that is bringing in high-end TV, as MacDara said. So like if we can develop that pipeline of work, we can actually create a region with employment in that region that they don't have to travel out any further. Yeah. So we can develop a skill set within that region. And we have excellent universities in the area. We have the um, educational training boards, which are great, and collaborating with, with Screen Training Ireland. You know, we have to we have to open this out. We can't continue to push everything down the East Coast. You know, the, the industry can only develop if we expand it out to, to the rest of the country. Are we, are we kind of happy in that case, or, or, or are we all pretty much agree that perhaps Ireland is the location, is the region, that perhaps Ireland is the region within a European context to which we try and attract as much business as possible and we crew it and we uh, staff it accordingly, according as it comes. Because infrastructure, and you mentioned infrastructure, the superstructure of what we have in a motorway system now that we didn't have 20 years ago has completely changed the way we work and it completely changes the way we get around. There was a very vibrant airport out here a couple of years ago. It's now gone. Uh, and there's a reason for that, because people can get to Dublin in an hour and a half, two hours. An hour and a half illegally, two hours legally. <laughs> they can get to Limerick in an hour. And it, that completely revolutionizes the way we see distance as a, as a, um, as a constack, a barrier. So, uh, am I, am well, I, I think that I think that has gone away. I think certainly for Galway, the road network. Uh, as somebody who often flew from Galway Airport to Dublin back in the day, I mean, you can literally. I told the story earlier. I got from Dublin Airport to the motorway in Galway in an hour and fifty minutes, and it took me an hour and a half to get from there to my house in Spiddle on Thursday evening. I and mean, that's just nuts. That's a bigger government policy infrastructure problem with Galway. But I mean, you can get to Shannon Airport now with the new road to Limerick. You can get to Shannon in less than an hour, forty-five, fifty minutes from Galway. Uh, speaking. From a Galway perspective, it's much better connected than it was. But I, I do go back to the point that I think if you are, if, if there's a serious push to produce more outside of the Greater Dublin Wicklow area, I think the cost, the additional cost that that involves initially, and over time, obviously, you want mm. to develop more local crews, but there is a cost factor there, and particularly international producers coming in, you know, everybody knows this is a, a it's a business and if it's going to cost them more to go outside the Dublin area so I think that needs to be looked at somehow yeah but I think, I think that's why Troy is, is such a good model because with, with, with this conversation there's always a bit of a chicken and egg kind of scenario around it but when you do get a, a big production like my players at Troy you've got to capitalize on that and you've got to really build skills development into you know use the expertise of the people who are on site you know during the production that relates back to, to training and how training happens on the job and all that kind of stuff. But I think, you know, we, you know, to push the regional side, we have to capitalise when we do get productions in and, and, and make sure we... Well, let, let's stay on that vein in that case, Gareth, because, um, you know, I, I, I have worked in training in DCU and GMIT and 
I found that there were very different areas. Let's say I worked in a, on a, I, I lectured on a, on a journalism course in DCU. I lectured on film and TV here in, in GMIT, and I found that there were very different um, takes on how to get the job done. Um, and this is no casting no aspersions on either, just as a matter of fact. Um, one is very academic, one is hit the ground running. And I'm not saying, and you can make up your own minds which one it is, uh, which one is which. Um, do we need to formalise? Do we need to have a formal? Do we need to have a situation where we have a slip of paper that guarantees or that tells you that this is a transferable skill that you can take to anywhere at the end of your training? I think that's a, a, a great aspiration to have. I don't know how, how likely that is in reality. I think there's a place for academic uh, you know, tr education is a place for work-based learning. Um, I think, I mean, Siobhan mentioned it earlier on that in her experience, and I would say a lot of people would say this, that the most valuable type of training or skills development people in this industry find is, is the work-based dimension to it. And, you, you know, you're starting to find through government policy here that uh, academic institutions are starting to look at that model because, you know, it's a valuable model. Where the issue kind of comes into it is, you know, how do you monitor the work-based learning element, how do you quality assure it, how do you certify it to make sure that there's a value in that that allows people to progress within an industry or within a career, and that's a, that's a trickier thing, but it's very much... Well, when I did my leaving cert 30 years ago, or whatever it was, there were only three or four degrees you could get in the country where you did actually get on-site in-situ training, and one was medicine, another was, uh, as a nurse, and I think that wasn't um, that wasn't degree course at the time, the other was dentistry. But, so but it's, a, but it's yeah. a very unusual industry from the point of view of entry-level positions and, and, and traineeships, in my opinion, because it's very much a relationship and a personality-based <coughs> industry. That's the reality of it. And you rarely have a formal interview process on a production. It's like, you know, people contact you, but it's like, well, who do they work with? You check who they work with before. That's the reality of the but situation. But you can't have it everywhere. No, and actually the, the pressure, with, and, and I would agree with that, and it's this is the challenge, because mm -hmm. if, if any room that we or I go into right now, training is the number one issue at a political level. You know, training is tied to Section 481 funding. There is an obligation for training. It's quality training, mm -hmm. and it's being able to show that you can move through and up the industry. So it's no good us saying it's really difficult, and, and it certainly is a people industry. We have a real challenge, but we now have to sort of stop and say, okay, but we have to solve it, because what will happen is it'll be solved for us unless we in industry come up with a solution. So, you know, yeah, I, for I Garrett, think Garrett on, on his probation, but like Screen Training Ireland <laughs> is front and centre at almost every conversation now. And I know there's a lot of work going on with the strategic group, but now is the time. Like we are an unusual industry, but we're not special children. We have to solve it. But there is a Lego industry there that you can actually... Build with well, locks, and there are, there's level five, level six, level it's seven. Different grades, though, doing different things. Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not. It's not that good. decision, but yeah. I think um, look at at the same time. Let's recognise that there's a lot of a lot of good training going on, mm -hmm. and actually a lot of training that goes on on set and, and, and in work-based scenarios that isn't kind of captured or, or monitored. I mean, most people would talk about how they were mentored through and, and, and how they got their breaks mm -hmm. and so on. Now, the, the issue with that is kind of what Elaine is hinting at. There is. It is an industry that is a bit word of mouth and, and so on, and that's how you get your next gig. And the issue with that is it's it's not a it's not as and this maybe links into the next topic. It's not as diverse or open an industry as it as it should be, and that's a that's a bigger kind of a cultural question. If there was a way that we could um, certification is the wrong word, but if there was a way that we could monitor and qualify 
what that work-based element was so that the word of mouth still has a value but it's yes. a, a value that's actually recognised and established and is not down to one person it's down to maybe a number I, of people I agree and I think a, a, a more formal structure to it and, and a, a phrase we would use is pathways like we and we discussed this earlier and the Russell Room is a particular beast because it runs year on year and it runs for a long, a long run every year but through necessity we have to train people because the majority of the time we're looking for Irish speakers and we have to find more so the Irish speakers and train them on the job and you have a, a level of attrition on an absolutely. annual absolutely we have a high level of attrition because we tend to train them and then they get robbed very quickly but because we have trained them which is a great thing for those people to be sure. honest and, and and then we have a steadier base of HODs who've been there for 20 years who are you know socially invested in living in Galway and they're maybe a little bit older and have connections Family, there exactly and it, and it works for them but I think pathways I think trainees that are perpetually trainees is, is a disaster I think there has to be somewhere for them to go and some kind of an open door that they can get through to move on to the next level again how that's monitored is the million dollar question <laughs> these pathways Tom yeah I'd also add to that I mean the, the, there's been a, a tradition because the industry is, is involved in on the east coast that this is the way we've done it so we're always going to keep doing it so we kind of have to get out of that mentality and say we have to go back and look at it are, are, are the systems that we're using are they fit for purpose now do we need to adapt and do we need to change them and do we need to upskill the people who are in the industry right now so there, there are areas we need to cover. Yes, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure they were leaving in protest or not. <laughs> there was a mass exodus there. Hey. Mid conversation. Hey. Yeah, it, was, it was a silent protest. It was all right. It was okay. Um, that, that, that's, I'm going to go back to that pathway. Sorry, just one, one thing. I'm going back yeah. to that because I mean, you saw how that worked. Macdara brought in the coffee. He's <laughs> <laughs> a prolific filmmaker. You know, hey. when, I, when I was a trainee, uh, I was a bit, I was a bit cheeky and I knew it wasn't going to last very long. I was a camera trainee, and the uh, grip used to say to me, uh, "Mac, cup of tea," and I used to say, "Yeah, two minutes." <laughs> <laughs> That's why I wasn't a very good trainee. But what, what I was going to say about the training is like there's some there's some great training that happens, but it, it definitely is not captured. There's no formalisation. But equally, you know, unfortunately in this business not everybody is as good as each other like there's some really good people who've trained up other people really well and if you are fortunate enough to to be say it's in camera you know but not everybody is mm. at the same level and then it, usually what happens is you become a trainee with a certain group and you kind of work with that same group and unfortunately if you get the training that's not as good you know they slip through yeah. yeah yeah so there's an imbalance there I think well it is know? it's this is a social endeavor it's a human endeavor and there are human strengths and frailties that obviously come to the fore. And on top of all that, you have a creative element. So put all that into the into the into the pot and give it a good stir around. And generally speaking, cream rises. Yes. That said, is there an element of Asher? You'll give them a start. Because I certainly know of situations where ah Give him a nod. He's a good lad. Yeah. I mean, I think the cream cream will rise, but you don't want any barriers to entry either. Okay. That's a really important yes, thing. Okay. And I think, it, yeah. you know, at an entry level, if, if people have opportunities, mm. you know, it's up to the, it's up to people, to a certain extent, it's up to people then to, to, as you say, rise to the top if they so wish. I mean, we have to have, obviously, you know, other 
training elements. I mean, a part of what we do will have to be career-long development so that, you know, at various stages of your career, you can access training and skills development that will help you get to the next level. But as long as those things are in place and those opportunities are available, then the natural order will kind of fall out, so I guess. Yeah. Are we are we taking in that case that there is a place for the formal and there is a place for the informal? There is a place for the ETPs? Yeah. There is a place for the post-leaving certificate? I think so. And that's why I don't want the conversation yeah. to, be, to be about yeah. certification because a piece of paper doesn't necessarily mean you can yeah. do the job or you're very good job but at the same time you can't not have any way of acknowledging that somebody is at a level where they are at and they can progress or whatever but I think that's achievable I think we have to try and achieve it as a lady and we can't just keep going the way we've gone before anything else to offer because I think that training has an awful lot to do I personally think that it possibly has an awful lot to do I've changed my narrative there haven't I (laughs) and I did it live Um, with dignity in the workplace and I think listen look we all get born and we all get mothered and fathered or parented or whatever you want to call it and you know um, by the by we kind of learn that this is right and this is wrong and you kind of get through life hopefully keeping the tipping the balance through the right side it doesn't always kind of occur and industry is no different and this industry is certainly no different to any other so does training come into that, Gareth, and that we can instill an element of era, respect, it's mutual respect, it's respect, dignity and respect in the workplace, gets bandied about quite a bit, and there's a danger, or is there a danger, that we're going to kind of PC ourselves out of the creative sphere? Yeah, uh, I think I think the training definitely and skills development definitely plays a, a role. I mean, society obviously plays a role, and family structure, all, all of that stuff plays a role. I think um, the culture of the industry is a very significant part of that. I don't think you change one piece and then it solves everything. I think mm. there's a, a huge change, and actually that's kind of starting to happen to to a certain extent. But from a skills development point of view, absolutely. And I think maybe it goes back to the section four. I mean, we have a blunt instrument in the section four eight one requirement. You know, if that if that's going to stay in place, then you know maybe you know maybe we do put things in place where every new entrant to the industry gets some core basic skills development around you know onset etiquette or around uh, all aspects of kind of dignity in the workplace. Actually, that might make a lot of sense. I mean that I mean obviously you have to address people who've been in the industry for, for, for years as well and yeah. there are ways to do that. But I think at the very start, if that kind of stuff structure was in place that does you know, create a future industry that is very aware of those things. And we've, we've done work together in terms yeah. of the workshop just at the end of last year with Screen Training Ireland, with SIP2, Screen Producers Ireland as well, because if you take culture there for a second, there are, there are tools. It doesn't matter what industry you're in in terms of you can always teach around etiquette or, you know, it's terrible that we have to explain mm-hmm. what respect is. Yeah. I know, well, yeah. I know, but believe me, you know, there are yeah. things. And I think actually, apart from the nuts and bolts, it brings people into a collective and starts to have that conversation about what's right, what's acceptable and so on. So there are the technical things that you can do and we should do. But outside of that it's it's more to do with culture. I well think. I think it it's a societal thing yeah. as well and you know the magnetic sphere out there has kind of skewed itself in recent years, I think. And it I, I don't know, it manifests itself everywhere. Uh, I'm not talking about Harvey Weinstein alone or <laughs> other um, controversies that are closer to the door. How relevant and prevalent is it in this country, in this industry, Tom? Um, I suppose that there is, as Gareth talked about a culture, I mean, there's a culture uh, that we have to keep evolving and keep talking about. And I mean, it's really up to each individual working in the industry to call out something that they see as wrong. 
And I think because the industry is predominantly freelance people that, you know, there is a tendency not to speak out because you feel you might be rocking the boat and you might be endangering your prospect of another position on another production. So I think each individual needs to look at what's going on in their department. Do they see something that is that they know themselves is wrong and speak up about it? Because we all know what's happening out there and people talk about it. And as we've seen it in the theatre industry, you know, it, it's been going on for a number of years. They have addressed that now. And I think as, as a sector, we need to look at that. But all the individuals working in the industry need to take that responsibility on board and the organisations as well. Like I would say, as, as producers and therefore employers, it's important to get that message across. To say, you know, it's unacceptable behaviour is simply unacceptable. And there's a duty of care to the people who are working for you. You know, and it's like dealing with kids in a playground. You know, if, mm. if you see something that isn't right, it should be called out and it should be said. And, and you not need to have the, the processes in, in place that it's easy, it's completely accessible and easy to do that. I completely agree with that. Tease that out, I mean. Well, you know. What kind of mechanisms are you talking about? Well, you have to, you know, I mean, let's not go down the process. You have to have access, communication, know who to go to, who's clearly been identified as somebody that you can have that conversation with and you understand that from the beginning of your engagement, that if there's an issue, where do I go, where do I turn to? And if you go from the other side, as a producer and employer, that if that happens, how do I receive that information? What do I do with it? And yeah. it's really, really clear, and it's an open environment. Are you talking about industrial relations? Are you talking about trade well, union well, movement? Well, it, could, it, could, be, it yeah. could be, but I mean, what I'm finding in, in the last, you know, like trade union movements have really shifted. Like, I was a rep for the... ITGW back in 1803, you know, like <laughs> Mick was my, you know, who went through the ranks of, of SIP2, whatever, was my go-to person. She and I spent a little bit of time mm -hmm. in the Shopsures and Southern Tribune in the early days. And I'm just thinking back to then and now, you know, employment legislation is very strong yep. and in ways that's helped, you know, make communication better because the systems are there. So it could be industrial relations, but actually... The recent, fairly recent reorganisation of film workers' guilds has been an incredible addition, I think, and a strength. It means that workers on the ground are the voice for, for you know, so you don't always have to bring in your trade union rep or whatever, you know, some would say it's just as well because they're not always there. But the point is you've got workers that understand the system, know who to go to, and that engagement between guilds, producers, line manager, whoever, needs to develop. I don't mean to oversimplify this, but is, it a, uh, is there an awful lot of common sense that's quite uncommon involved in this? <laughs> I, I think like, what was really interesting in Nightflyers is uh, so basically the studios all have a, pol a policy which, around mm -hmm. workplace harassment, sexual harassment in the workplace, and we did, I think it was about three or four hours, where the entire crew had to come in and they had someone come in and give a presentation, and like a lot of it is like the most basic stuff but you know in an industry I think particularly the fil film industry like there's a lot of creative people or a lot of creative people hide, you can hide behind your creativity right. by basically treating people like dirt to be honest you know And but it was really interesting when we did this thing even though everyone's sitting there saying oh here we go but it focuses everybody do you yeah. know what I mean and I, I actually think that every production you know it's maybe something Film board should look at it for a one. If you actually, if you have to do it at the start of every production, it just it puts it in your mind. You know what I mean? It goes on like I was a trainee. I saw I didn't I didn't care because I wasn't going to go through that route. 
but I saw I see other Chinese taking pictures. It's kind of like a, almost used to be a rites of passage in certain areas. But that should areas. be pictured as important as every other element yeah. of the job in which you're Health engaging. Safety. You know, yeah. that that's there. It's exactly, yeah. but it's a priority and it's on a, on a, a flat line equally as important as everything else. I, I would say that at the moment we don't have a mechanism for dealing with mm. it. So a formalization. There isn't a formalization. So we know there are certain individuals out there who are mistreating people. So how do we, what what formalized process do you Where's the forum? to deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. And there isn't one. There isn't one at present. I see there with the, the Joint Committee of Culture, Heritage Development and Working Conditions in the Irish Film Industry Report published I think it was air yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. Uh, one of the many, there are 11 points. Oh, yeah. Um, committee calls for calls on the unions, I forget where it is, um, and the representative organisations to work towards mutually beneficial and respectful understanding. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's happening to, with, with lots of us right now, with, mm. with sets of, of unions that sit under Congress. Right now, actually, because you know we're busy this summer trying to you know upgrade the shooting crew agreement, we're looking at construction, but part of that conversation is not just rates, grades, or whatever. It's training, and it's also around dignity in the workplace. Like my view would be that if we can complete that process and get it into good shape, it offers you know it offers some part of the solution in terms of that idea of having a mechanism and being able to you know what Tom's idea about you know processes, pathways to make it happen. Find a forum, like let's get there. But I, I partly many of these recommendations are already in play. Mm. We spoke to the committee back in January. Are they a rehash? Not at all. Not at all. You know Are um, they gathering dust? These recommendations yeah. are no, well, I mean, I, they're only fucking yeah, yesterday, so they didn't get much chance no, well, actually, to get gathered no, dust yet. No, but the point yet, is, like, I would go back, and if anybody, you know, has a couple of hours and you're doing nothing on a Saturday night, <laughs> just have a look at the report and have a look at the submissions. Mm. I did that last night. Good man. Because the point about the submissions Sorry. is I think they tell yeah. a story. Yeah. Mm. I think what that says is we are the people who work in the industry. We're the producers, we're the workers, yeah. you know, we're the film board, Screen Ireland, or whatever. And here's what our industry looks like. Yeah. Here's what works. Here's what needs more work, but actually, guess what? We are freelance, and that's okay, but that brings with it its challenges. Yeah. Training, skills, of course, dignity, of course, but here's our view of how this might work. So, what are we doing? Let's get collective agreements across the line that are worthy and stand up for scrutiny. We're in the middle of that right now. Screen Training Ireland, Garrett, just coming out of probation, you know, in the middle of, you know, a huge strategy and a huge responsibility, I would say, as well, in terms of what training looks like. So, the good news is, is that these things are happening already, but anything that improves the industry, develops it, makes it a better place for what we would be supportive of, but the, it's happening right now. Like, that will gather dust. We'll just get on and do it. Okay. Um, that was the half-hour bell. <laughs> and some of you are getting itchy to head over to your respective screenings. I'm happy to open the floor, and notwithstanding... The fact that um, that Gareth's only a month in the job <laughs> hit him hard. <laughs> hit him hard. Honestly, uh, he's had his friendly fire, so give him the hard to stuff now. Screaming as well. I know that. Yes, sorry. Your name and uh, question. Uh, my name is Colin Allen, and I'm a lecturer in film, actual piece of film, digital media, and my boy. And I just wanted to, I guess, obviously come back to the question of training and, and a couple of points that I would make. Uh, and this is coming back to a couple of years ago when the, the film board, as it was, and BAI had a consultation process around training in the industry. And it was really interesting because 
it brought educators, uh, they went around the country, so I attended the one in Galway, they brought educators and producers together to talk about how they saw education and training within the industry. And one of the things that was interesting was how differently we often saw it. So, for example, one of the things that producers, that people working in production often complained about was people were coming out of education, they weren't set, right? To which we would say, well, that's, we don't see that as our job. To, to make people separate, because to be honest, I don't think we can make people separate. You give but, them the context and they... Yeah, but what we can do, what I would say what we can do is we can produce people who can become set ready very quickly. But, and that goes to a wider question about education and the role of education. I, I mean, you, you raised the idea about academic and, and skills. Um, and, you know, we always put in the, the front of our brochure almost, you know, Lenny Abramson, Lenny Abramson studied philosophy. So, you know, that to think about training in a broader sense. And so that's one of the things I would say, um, that we need to think about training and education as a, as a broader As a broader. Yeah. Think about okay. how, and just the other point, though, about on-job on training, because increasingly there is pressure on the universities and the, the third level to, to, to increase. And you have been engaging in that. Yeah, yeah. And so, for example, we're launching a new BA in September, and the third year of it is, is placements. Yeah. And to be honest, we are terrified. What, about how are you going to grade it? Place it's very difficult yeah. because of the nature of the industry. And so, for a year? Yeah. Uh, oh, great. So that was <laughs> I was hoping someone would say that. Uh, uh, no, it's, it's in two years' time. But, but um, I, I guess my, my wider point is that what we need to do is talk to each other more. Okay. And I think we need to have a broader sense of how we work together. No, I totally agree with all that, just to, to let everyone know that we at Screen Training Ireland are planning an industry education forum later in this year, um, not haven't got a date yet, um, but we would be inviting all stakeholders from the education side and the industry, industry side to come together, share uh, this knowledge again, because that conversation started to happen, but let's continue it, and we would hope that would be an, an annual thing. I think we need to stay in much more regular contact about training needs and so on, but I do think an industry education forum, like at least one day a year or two days a year, where you mark it, you bring people together and you start conversations would be really useful. Good hit, Con. Thank you. Two solid observations, no questions yet. 
Question this time only. Question. <laughs> Congratulations. I've done a whole range of typical filthy Jack of all trades, bits of everything. Uh, question that's been occurring to me is I listen to the, the, all the things about the trading regionalization, everything else about building this whole base is sustainability. It's all dependent on attracting enough productions that you can provide sustainable, regular employment for the people you have trained up. Now, an example of that is I come from the north. With this huge juggernaut, the Game of Thrones, they estimate the 700 people up north have been trained up to the Game of Thrones. Many of very, very highly skilled people. Juggernaut is rapping and going to move on, and they're very worried now how they're going to fill all this extra student space for yeah. employment for people yeah, that are trained up. And already some of them are moving to London and LA because they can't get enough regular employment. I found a natural home for that question. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you totally that you're hitting the nail on the head and it's pipeline is what it's all about. And that's again going back to in order to be able to have those juggernauts coming in at the scale that we want them to come in, we have to have the infrastructure. Yeah, and the infrastructure includes the skills. Mm. And, Build it yeah. and they will come. Well, that's what we've kind of done. Yeah. 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 No, no, I was just going to literally say that and I need to go. But yeah, it was the chicken and egg thing I mentioned earlier on. You you do need productions coming in to keep the the skilled people here, but then equally to attract the production, you need the skilled people here. And and also, you need to have the tax credit survive beyond 2020. Yeah. Because it's a big driver, it's the main driver. To have certainty of that. Yes. But I think there's a huge appetite for content globally, and I think Ireland is a great home for productions, incoming productions. so I think, like that, I think if the infrastructure was there, but it's the time it takes to scale up, it's the time to get the infrastructure in place. And obviously, you know, everybody would like the continuity of work. It would be a win-win situation for everyone. Um, but, you know, you can't market a, a studio facility if you haven't got to finish it and you can't get the money to do it until you have the project. So it's... it's and a lot of it is down to writers like yourself, Patrick. One of the things I know from like, the Northern Ireland screen thing is they've been trying to fill something out. The long-form television production, you can do something but they expanded so much in studio capacity when the Game of Thrones were taken up and lots of production come in. Mm. Now they've got all this subsidiary studios and new studios mm-hmm. and Gotta they're finish. really struggling with worrying about that. If they can't fill them regular enough, all that infrastructure is all about the training people. Already some of them have left the places of London and LA, for example, the companies abroad. 
you know, and that's the fear there. But, but that's a natural process, Pat. Yeah. You're, you're going to have that anyway. People, People will, will want to on. further their careers, so exactly. they will move to London, they'll move but to But the LA. trick is to get them back. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> to be honest, I think it's and a wonderful thing for yeah, people to go off. that's about having a positive training, skills yeah. development experience when you're... When you're and and I think, and again, I would say Rosnerine's a different beast, but we often have it, you know, people train with us, go off, do other things, and then come yeah, back yeah, at yeah, a higher yeah. higher scale, and I think that's a wonderful thing for all kinds of reasons. So I, I learned years ago from a fella called Brian O'Brien. He was a fantastic... <laughs> Do you mind if I be excused? Absolutely. This is all to do with what you're just doing. Oh, that's great. Brian O'Brien used to say, leave him hungry. So we're going to leave you hungry. Sorry, we can't. There'll be no more time for any more questions. So thank you very much. Gurmila Mogg, you've been a very attentive audience. Thanks to our panel. Thanks to Dan on sound. And you've one more observation as we go out the door. Oh, oh, she heard Con. Con. Uh-huh. I know. <laughs> I'm Michelle. I'm the studio manager at Troy Studios. Thanks, Lynn, for the brilliant discussion this morning. I just want people to know in Galway, we are an hour from you. Please register your details as a crew member with our database. Just log on to our website. Tell us who you are, where you're educated, what you're interested in getting into. You don't need to know somebody to get into the film industry. If you are a good person, you want to work, and you have the attitude, you will get in. And so, Nightflyers is a brilliant example of where they took on local trainees and looked after them through Eman Screen Training Ireland and Gareth, etc. And you can move up through the ranks. And there's a fabulous trainee who's moved to Dublin and is on with a brilliant camera team. He was trained by the best people in Ireland. And he's going to go to Dublin and work, but he'll come back. And he will eventually come back, but it's all about that. We know we're going to lose trainees to bigger productions. We're going to New Zealand, we're going to LA. It's fantastic. But remember, GMIT, um, NYG, all of that, they're all fantastic forces. You are learning from the best. But the thing is, you have to put yourself out there. And you might think you're a DOP, but you might have to go down to a camera trainee, between 150 and 700 bucks a week, but you do get paid. And you will get in with the best team, and, you will, and I always say to people, look up credits, find the best person or somebody that you admire, and try and contact them. The world is easier to contact people now, so you have to do that. But I really would love to see more glory people approaching Tom and I and trying to get on our database, because we tell that down about you. We tell the next producer about you. And then hopefully it will build and build. This is a five-year gig of getting the really good skill. Good pitch. As the bell tolls, two points I will leave you with. Talk to Elaine, not Angela. And Lenny Abraham's son is. So he is. Good day. Enjoy the rest of it.